Welcome to the conversation. This is Christy. And hi, I'm Gretchen. This is Conversations to Connect. You're listening to episode 15, where we will be getting real about body image and our relationships with ourselves. I think that this is always going to be a hot button topic for a lot of people. Um, Thinking all the way back as far as I can remember about learning who we are based on our perception of the world and the world's perception on us, if Mm -hmm. that makes sense. Yeah. And so I think that if we can start getting real about this relationship with ourselves and talking to other people in our lives that might be able to support us, that we would actually find that a lot of people are struggling with the same sorts of things. Well, and that everyone, everyone has difficulty in relationships, period. And it doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter, you know, your nothing. demographics. Nothing, nothing matters. Um, and I think that we are so fortunate as therapists to see people that are coming through in different stages of their life because mm-hmm. I work with a few kids, teenagers, and then people in college, and then people getting their careers, and people having their first marriage and their children and people who are later in life. And I think at every stage of the game, it's always about this relationship to ourself and a lot of fears that we have surrounding who we are or, you know, what we will or won't have. Well, and I think it kind of goes back to like when we were talking about unhelpful thinking, how it's one of those things that everybody does, but nobody talks about. Yes. And so this, I think, goes in the same thing is, is that we all struggle in our relationship with ourselves. And we don't talk about that. We don't talk about what does it mean? Like, what is it about ourselves that we struggle with? Whether it is how we look or the way that we present ourselves or anything, the way that we dress. I don't know. It doesn't... All of these things, right? Our relationship with ourselves is something that everybody struggles with in some way. And it's something that we can all relate to. So maybe I don't understand your specific struggle that you're going through, Christy, but I know what it's like to struggle with body image or I know what it's Mm -hmm. what it's like to struggle with with the relationship that I have with myself and whether or not I like myself and also going back to what we had talked about in previous podcasts about all these areas of your life so maybe where one person might struggle with physical attributes uh, exercise eating issues Mm -hmm. somebody else might be struggling in their career or trying to figure out you know what is their purpose in life and somebody else might be struggling with how to manage relationships or, you know, kind of what their family systems were like yeah. or still are. So there are all different areas and maybe you're struggling 10% in one area and 90% in another area. But just giving language to that and starting to, we know what our hangups are and we can pretty much guess what our friends hangups are too. So yeah. why don't we bring that up? Not in a cruel way, but if I'm coming from a kind, compassionate place, and I know that, you know, maybe you are hypercritical of something, and I just say, hey, Gretchen, how how have you been dealing with this area of your life? And giving the other person the opportunity to talk about it. I know you and I have done that several times. It's, there's always like this reoccurring theme, and you and I can joke with each other, you know. Oh, here it is again. Yeah, guess what? (laughs) It's back. Yeah. We went through this again, and so just being able to be there for somebody and remind them how much work that they've been doing and what their successes are, because even if it's just a day of having, you know, a blah mood or some depression symptoms or your hormones are off or something, it's going to feel like it's 
the end of the world it or does. I'm back to square one. And just having somebody to remind you that you're not is very helpful. I like to frame it as in like, I see you. Yeah. Right. And so when someone can see you mm-hmm. and say something about that, someone like you said, in a supportive and an empathetic way. Mm-hmm. Hey, Christy, I see you. Mm-hmm. I see you struggling. I see you trying. I see you succeeding. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, Because maybe we don't see it ourselves. Mm-hmm. Maybe we only see the fact that we're struggling or we only see the fact that to ourselves we're failing mm-hmm. and we don't see that there are places or that we keep trying mm-hmm. and that in, and so it's important that people can share that with us and that you can share that with the people that you're close to and they can share it with you it's so important it really helps us have that relationship that we maybe want to have with ourselves mm-hmm. or to improve the relationship that we have with ourselves when people can help us see things that maybe we can't see in ourselves a lot of times that starts in therapy and then encouraging people to seek out those relationships in their life Or they can start to just get curious. Yeah. I'll say, don't come right out and call somebody out on something, but just get curious. Hey, I'm wondering, you know, how this has been. Or, you know, I noticed that, Gretchen, you didn't come to this event that we were having. Is everything going okay? Yeah. Maybe you're having some social hangups and just sort of uh, getting somebody to bounce those ideas off of. Well, and also pushing a little. If it's people that you care about. I think one of the things that came about after um, Anthony Bourdain and Kate Spade Mm -hmm. committed suicide was that there was a lot of things out there about, like, you guys need to be checking on your strong friends. You need to check on the friends who are strong, to check on the ones who are always doing, who are always in a positive mood, and da-da-da-da-da. The thing is, is that when we check on those people, we're so used to being strong. So, Christy, if you came to me and you were like, Gretchen, how are you doing? Like, are things okay? I'd be like, yeah, we're fine. I'm fine. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we have to push a little bit further Mm -hmm. to know that, but are you really? (laughs) I mean, and you say that, but are you really? And being able to look at where those thoughts and feelings come from, a lot of times it's rooted in our childhood experiences, and then we start to make sense of the world at a very young age when our brains are still developing, Mm -hmm. so that's not fair. And if you don't have a person um, that explicitly teaches you how to do these things, you're not going to have those skills. And I'm, I'm here to tell you, 98% of the people don't have somebody out there that's explicitly teaching them at a young age how to have these conversations and how to have more healthy coping skills. And then our negative thoughts just become, I'll always say, it's a voice in the back of your head, and then it becomes this white noise. You don't yeah. even notice that it's happening. And so you're going about your day, and you're just looking at every single thing that possibly could go wrong and it is going wrong and you're not taking a moment to look at the growth that you're having or looking at situations as experiences because we're taught to remove ourselves from that because there's a lot of fear attached with that well i think what's another thing that's important you said like you said 98 percent of people don't aren't getting those messages Another thing is, is that 100% of us are not getting every single thing that we need Mm -hmm. from our, in our upbringing. There are always going to be gaps or holes, if you will, in the things that we need to learn and the development that we need to have within ourselves in order to have a healthy relationship with ourselves. Our parents, our grandparents, our teachers, our caregivers, the people that are around us do the best that they can. Provide I was just going to say that. Mm-hmm. Everybody's doing the best that right. they can. They provide us with the best that they can. They can only give us what they have. Mm-hmm. And so if they don't have something, we have to go out and learn that ourselves from somebody else, from other 
other interactions. And that might come from friends, that might come from coworkers, that might come from your children, Mm -hmm. that might come from a partner. I mean, it can come from so many different things. It could come from a spiritual interaction that you have. So many different things. And so I think that, especially when I'm working with people in therapy, they're coming in, maybe they're in their mid 20s to mid 30s for the most part. And they're like, I don't get why I don't know this. Or Mm -hmm. like, I don't understand why I'm having all these problems. And it's like, well, here you are. You've been given everything that your parents or that your caregivers could give you. And now it's your turn. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think, a lot of what we kind of want to talk about today is, is like, when you kind of get to that point where you're like, okay, I want to have a better relationship with myself. I want to fill in the, Mm -hmm. the holes and the gaps. Yeah. How do we go about doing that? And what are the things that kind of get in the way? I think that a great place to start is learning to nurture yourself. So think about it from a parental standpoint. You need to learn to parent yourself Mm -hmm. as an adult. And instead of being so damn critical with ourselves and hard on ourselves, because there is this idea and it comes, it's based from anxiety that worst case scenario, you know, you're jumping to extremes, we say a lot of times in therapy. And that's because we're trying to be the best version of ourselves and we trick ourselves into thinking that that's that mean person inside of us isn't going to let us fail. But Mm. what it's doing is it's getting in the way of really shining and being your very best because that fear keeps you one step back from where you need to be, from not pushing through and taking risks and having chances. I know for myself, it's been a real struggle in my 30s to learn how to not be fiercely independent and 100% on top of things all the time. Yeah. That really, that has become my way of distancing myself from Mm -hmm. being, you know, closer with uh, relationships. And you, Gretchen, we were talking a lot about both of our upbringings. So maybe we could touch on our individual journeys. Well, I being therapist, because ultimately we all want to help people because we know what it's like to struggle too. Well, and I think it all comes about like what you were talking about before we go into that, because you were talking about like the different areas of that, like kind of we just get that need nurturing, right? You were talking about nurturing. Mm -hmm. And so in the very first podcast, we talked about how we have these different areas in our life that need attention. We have physical needs and mental needs and emotional Mm -hmm. needs, spiritual needs and social needs. So when we think about nurturing, we're thinking about nurturing ourselves in all of these different ways. Mm -hmm. So maybe your upbringing presented you with a lot of nurturing mentally and emotionally. I did. I had a lot of nurturing mentally and emotionally. I had a good amount of nurturing spiritually. I was raised Roman Catholic because both of my parents were raised Roman Catholic. And so I definitely was raised with an idea of religion, Mm -hmm. not necessarily spirituality. And I came into that later when I kind of just did my Mm -hmm. own kind of searching. Um, And then as a naturally extroverted person, I've always been, I think, very strong in nurturing my social (laughs) area, if you will. The physical area for me, I think, was always really difficult. My mother was a dancer. So myself and my other two sisters all ended up taking dance. And if anyone has been in that field, you know how critical people are of your body. That alone, just being around other dancers, always being in tights and a leotard where you're basically practically naked, you're constantly looking at other people. I was always bigger than everyone else. Um, I remember when I was younger, my mom had told me that when I was like, I don't know, four or five, we went to Walt Disney World for some occasion. I don't remember it. I was too young. And she was like, oh my gosh, you were so heavy. And not in like a negative way. She was like, Gretchen, you were pure muscle. And you always were. Like that's just my physical build. So I always was tended to be bigger than everybody else. And having 
I think, a lack of support in like, knowing that that's okay, Mm -hmm. that we all have different body shapes, that that's acceptable, that you don't have to look like something else in order to be accepted was something that I missed Mm -hmm. out on and like didn't really get a lot of nurturing or know how to be strong in that area, if you will. In a healthy way without being critical of yeah yourself in the process and a lot of dancers like you said that is a culture oh it's bad i've had so many clients with you know eating disorders as a result of that and kids sharing ideas for that because you have to look a certain way and it's so ingrained in people and again that might be an area where you choose to focus everything because that's what it's going to mean to be successful for you yeah And and it's hard because you know I know truly both of my parents were doing the best that they could in mm-hmm. providing me with what they thought I needed or mm-hmm. providing me providing me with the information and the support and the nurture that they were able to give. But where it really lacked out for me was being able to see myself physically as someone who was acceptable, mm-hmm. if you will. Yeah. Um, and sometimes I think even in some of those other areas, like, yeah, I was mentally strong, I was emotionally strong, but I also always got the message that maybe I was too much. Mm-hmm. Maybe I was a little too loud. Maybe, Gretchen, can you be a little bit quieter? You know, can I got can that you, too. Yeah. In second grade, I remember just, you know, all of my teachers, pretty much, I think all of my report cards just said how much of a talker I was. <laughs> I loved to communicate. And this is why we're friends. Yes. <laughs> ask questions to be curious I one of my um, counselors from high school reached out recently and he said you know I remember that you took all of the information that I could possibly have to give like you always wanted to know more more. and so in my upbringing I was very much trained is that the right way but or just raised it it was raised to have a very strong work ethic I love to work and I think all, all of my family you can see that in my immediate family I have several cousins that have businesses. Just people yeah. have been very successful in that regard. And so that was important. Maybe not role modeled in a sense of like taking care of your body and mm. things like that. But that wasn't an issue for me particularly. For me, I believe that um, that nurturing relationships is where I got a lot of hangups on mm. of putting other people's needs before my own, not celebrating the things that I was doing because that was bragging or right. you know and so I still have a thing of where if I'm doing something I feel like like you said too much I don't want to put it out right. there and so but you kind of have to put yourself out there when you have things that you want to give and that you yeah. want to help so I still struggle with that but that's really interesting because now that you're saying that I I can relate to that and again I think this is why we are such good friends one of the reasons is because even though of how different we are we ended up having a lot of the same kind of things where I was raised also to be very much a Mm go-getter to never accept that this was enough okay you've Mm -hmm. done this so what's next Mm -hmm. you've achieved this now what Mm -hmm. you've gotten straight A's why aren't you in the honor society now you're in the honor society perfect now what's next right it was always what's next what's next push yourself harder push yourself more and so then again what ended up happening was taking on too much too Mm -hmm. much again these extremes and doing is a distraction doing is a distraction and so i did not get that until a few years ago so then you know you start developing these beliefs about yourself Mm -hmm. and this is now 
how I'm seeing my relationship with myself, that I'm too much, that I need to strive for more though at the same time. So I'm too much, but I'm also not enough. Mm-hmm. And then good um, luck finding that yeah, balance. good luck finding that balance, right? It just totally is a complete just mind screw mm-hmm. in the in the biggest sense mm-hmm. when you well, say it, it out loud, but when you think it in your head, it makes total sense. Mm-hmm. Well, always I'm tying this back into that's what our mind is made to do. It's yes. made to think. It's made to problem solve. And guess what? If you're living in America, you're not having too many problems finding running water or electricity. Right. You know, so when your basic needs are met and things are going pretty well, it's time to create. It's time to create some sort of issue or distraction because that's what keeps our mind busy. And our mind is a muscle. So mm-hmm. when I'm working with people on meditation, <clears throat> It feels almost overwhelming to many people to even think to sit and be still. Yeah. And people are like, oh, I'm the worst at that. I have to be running to meditate. I have to be working out to meditate. But no, actually, <laughs> when it's, we're at our best, yeah. our innate nature is to be calm, to be quiet. And we're most productive when we do that. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter who you are out there, but... You've got a lot of relationships going on, and if you're in a career of sorts, you're going to work every day and dealing with people who are dealing with their own crap. So there are so many things that your mind can choose to attach to to keep you distracted from really being. Yeah. Well, and I think one of the things, you know, it's like when we're talking about our relationship with ourselves, I I think a big component of that always ends up coming to our relationship with our body. Yeah. Right? Because... Well, that's where you live. We are in... That's right. It's our home. home. It's our home. And if you think about that, because you know, Christy, how much I love analogies. (laughs) If you think about how you feel in your actual physical home, not your body, Mm -hmm. but your home, and what you like about your home and how you want it to be comfortable and welcoming and a place (laughs) where you feel... Like there's just, you just are, oh yes, this feels so good. And how many you of us don't feel like that in our bodies. I was going to say, and their homes too, because that's one thing I talk to people about. What is happening in your physical environment? Mm -hmm. Uh, Is it chaos? Do you let your mail? I am guilty of this. (laughs) I've been better recently, but like piling up, piling up. And then that creates this inner turmoil where I can't truly sit and relax because then what? If our physical environment is organized and we can sit with ourselves, do we like what we're sitting with? Correct. So one of the things that Christy and I thought about in conjunction with talking about this relationship to self was also really tying in our relationship to our bodies Mm -hmm. and how that is, again, something that everyone deals with. I think every single woman out there has an issue in some way, shape or form with their body and with their relationship with their body. But in being a therapist to all people, I can attest to the fact that there are an inordinate amount of men Mm -hmm. who also really struggle with body image. Well, it's this idea of not being enough. And we make too much. Right. And we make a lot of choices in our life that connects directly to that. So are you making decisions that are healthy for you and being okay with the idea? I like the 80-20 rule that Mm -hmm. you're doing things pretty good 80% of the time. And the other 20, you're just going to enjoy yourself. Because what happens if 25 years from now you look back and you're like, wow, 
I missed out on a lot of fun stuff because I was really restricting myself. In these mm-hmm. ideas of extremes we're always going back to, you cannot have all or nothing thinking. Right. Uh, we talk about it in the addiction field. If you are restricting everything uh-huh. and you're not, you know, you're going to be more obsessed with not being able to have something than you are if you let yourself have a little bit of leeway. And not getting caught up in the treat yourself mentality because again that's another form of thinking that can get in your head like well I'm never going to be good enough I might as well just give up what's the use in even trying but it's being trapped with ourselves that makes us think that because anytime I've worked with people on these topics just saying it out loud was really helpful yeah be like shit I just said that out loud like that sounds ridiculous. Yeah. Because it's true. Once mm-hmm. it, It's like when we talked about the Unhelpful Thinking podcast, when those things come out of our mo- mouths and we hear them with our own ears, we're like, oh my God, that is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But that concept, Chrissy, that you were talking about, about balance, mm-hmm. about moderation, mm-hmm. right? Like when we, we hear that all the time and like, you need to drink in moderation. You need to eat in moderation. You need to do exercise or movement, everything in moderation. Basically what moderation is, is creating balance. Mm-hmm. What balance is for you, what moderation is for you is not going to be what it is for me mm-hmm. and what it is for Christy. So my idea of moderation in terms of doing something or eating something is going to look very different than what it looks like for somebody else. Mm-hmm. And what's really hard is that the diet culture in America, you know, because that's where we live, but also I think for many parts of the world messes with that. Mm-hmm. They're 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 trying to say that you need to find moderation by not eating certain things or by counting calories or by focusing on anything other than how you feel in your body. So for me, when I've experienced diets, it has never been about how I feel in my body when I'm eating certain things or when I'm doing certain things. It's always about well, I need to do this exercise in order to burn this many calories, or I need to eat this much food because this is what is good for me and what is right mm-hmm. or what is within my caloric intake. And so it it is so dissociative from my body. Mm-hmm. And focusing on those things ended up creating more anxiety for myself sure. because I felt so disconnected from myself and I didn't have a good relationship mm-hmm. with myself. What about you? Did you have what's cause you said that your upbringing Dis- wasn't really focused much per se on like physical. Right. Well, and I would say disconnection. If you're experiencing any sort of disconnection in any regard. So am I using this food, this substance to kind of, you know, escape Something a reality, yeah. uh, trying to avoid a feeling that I don't want to be feeling. So, yeah, I mean, for me, oh, gosh, all of my relationships, I would say. I, as even as a teenager moving into my 20s, have been attracted to people who need help. So here I mm-hmm. am in a helping profession, right. like, I want to help you, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I, can, I can see, you know, the, the goodness inside of you, but when you fall for somebody's potential, you're really at a disservice because what are they bringing to your life or not bringing to your life? So that's just a pattern that I sort of got involved with. And I know that when I was dating my ex-husband, I know now, and I knew then that I don't think that we were the right match for each other. But 
to hell if I was going to let something not work. Like, this is the next step. And I loved his mother and I were very close. I was very close with his family. So I didn't want to give up that. He was very close with my family. He didn't want to give up that. And we liked each other. We We weren't fighting like cats and dogs. But there was just something that wasn't there. So instead of saying, you know, we had a pretty good run and this has been fun and going our separate ways, we pushed through. We pushed through, you know, I mean, my God, we were like in our early 20s. So I didn't know what I wanted or who I was at that point. And, you know, we were struggling with so many, not struggling. um, I was in grad school. He was starting a business, all kinds of like life stuff. We had a wedding. We got married. So and then there's just this underlying like, is this like what life is like? And I think that a lot of people get stuck in relationships like that. And especially once they have children that they're not really honoring that part of themselves. And so I did like I gained a lot of weight. I don't even know, maybe 35 or 40 more pounds like while I was married and didn't even take into consideration. It was like, oh, yeah, well, we go out to eat a lot more or we have more social events and things like that. But looking back at it, it was like, oh, I was just kind of going through the motions and going to work because that was, you know, what I did and helping him with his business. So, yeah, and answering that, it was something that I learned early on was taking care of others, which is not necessarily a bad thing. You want to be helpful and supportive. Well, again, though, moderation. Yes. And so what it sounds like, though, is that you were so busy taking care of either him and his business or other people around you and also trying to go to school and do these things that in turn, you maybe weren't in touch with yourself. You didn't have as good of a relationship with yourself. Sure. And Mm -hmm. so you ended up not being, maybe not, you know, getting out and moving as much as you needed Mm -hmm. to, not eating things that made your body feel good. And, and that disconnect can do that for us. Right. So, so then fast forward to when we did get divorced and that was a real shit storm of emotional, you know, turmoil that you go through. I remember that. And, um, yeah, maybe you can speak to that time. Um, but I lost a ton of weight. Well, let's also note, because I don't know if you remember this, because it was a tumultuous time. So Christy and I at that time were working together at a community mental health agency. She came into work one day, came into my office, shut the door, burst into tears and said, my husband's filing for a divorce. It was a shit show nonetheless. And then how many weeks after did your grandmother pass away? Um, like literally two weeks, three yeah, weeks so we after. Yeah, very close. Yeah. And it mm-hmm. was, so it was like, this is huge. And then your grandmother passed. Mm-hmm. And since we, you know, and then that invited him back into oh, the family while that was going on. And it was a very confusing time for both of us because, you know, you're with somebody that you love that you know isn't good. And oh, it was just a mess. Yeah. But yeah, you then again couldn't eat. Like yeah. you, and you did, you dropped a significant amount of weight. I did. And then I dropped a significant amount of weight and then I got into yoga and fitness. So Mm -hmm. I didn't know at the time how much yoga was going to become a part of my life, but I knew that it worked for other people. So I was like, eh, what do I have to lose? I'll try it. So I went into it and that was a good thing too, because we don't get results from things like that in a short amount of time, but I wasn't in a rush. I didn't know like what I was getting into. So got involved in the business that I have, that I'm part of now And so that provided a lot of distraction for me. Then I would work so hard, so much. I would work until 10, 11 o'clock at night, have a couple glasses of wine, go to bed, call it a day. And so being busy became my new normal. Instead of putting all of that energy into a person, I was putting it into a business. And now I've found in my life that creating a balance is, hold on, time out. (laughs) Yeah, very necessary. (laughs) 
I take care of what I need to take care of for myself. I set boundaries and limits in my relationships. And and nobody's perfect. I mean, I'm still in therapy. Oh, I think absolutely. We all need to sit and get that unbiased opinion. But it goes back to what you were talking about before with that family modeling. Yeah. So what your family modeled for you, and it is mm-hmm. kind of similar in what my family modeled for me, which is just work harder. Yeah. Focus on work, 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 mm-hmm. and... And that is what you do. Not even like, yeah. and then it will bring you whatever. But like, that is what you do. So if we think about well, and what our care being like selfish, you know, yes. like, why would you take care of yourself? Like, why would you take that time for yourself where you could be helping me, Gretchen? Correct. Right. Or putting, why are you taking so much time for yourself when you could be putting it into your work, yeah. putting it into your business, mm-hmm. putting it into something else? Yeah. So again, if we think about what our family modeled for us. What did your family model for you Mm -hmm. about self-care, about taking care of yourself? What did your family model for you in terms of eating and Mm -hmm. how eating was approached and how food was talked about? And Um, work. And work and your body. Yeah. And movement or exercise that for me... I never enjoyed exercise. It was something that was a punishment. It was something that I was, quote unquote, forced to do because I, whoever it was at different times in my life, thought that I needed to be smaller, thought that I needed to lose weight. How, Gretchen, I have a question about children at a younger age. When you're in that like 12, 13 year old, and you can tell maybe somebody isn't being very healthy. How do you go about that without, you know, making it like a punishment, like you said? I I mean, like modeling is the best thing that you can do. Mm -hmm. So if we're talking about parenting, like one of the things now that I talk about with my kids is how much I enjoy exercise. And when they ask me why, I tell like, my kids always do this. I'm like, Oh, I'm going out, I'm going to exercise. And my youngest used to always be like, again, you're going again? Why? You did that once. You just went yesterday. Why are you going again? And I'll say it's like, because I like it and because I want to take care of myself Mm -hmm. and I want to be good to my body. And I have two boys. And so they, you know, just statistically, they're less likely to have body issues. But I still want them to be very understanding and aware of how you are physically is important. And when we take good care of ourselves, again, in all of these aspects, we feel better. We feel better. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So even actually most recently, my oldest son is nine. He went for his nine year appointment at, with his PCP and he had put on a good amount of weight. He didn't look bad. He had like a little bit of a pudgy stomach. And the doctor kind of said, um, so, you know, you've put on this much weight. I don't remember how much it was. X amount of pounds in a year. It's a little bit more than we would like. And he was nodding. He was like, okay. <laughs> and the doctor said, how much exercise are you getting? Like on every day. And and my son was honest. He was like, uh, maybe not that much. So my doctor was like, you know what? Or his doctor. And it was actually really great because again, it wasn't this focus. It was like, it's real important that mm-hmm. we get exercise. It's one of the and things. And it doesn't matter how you how get it. How you get it doesn't mm-hmm. matter. He said that he was like, so what do you like to do? What are things that you Mm -hmm. like to do? And then we talked about things too. And I said to him, I said, what are some things that you want to do? Mm -hmm. You know, and what are different ways that you can go about doing that? And how can we incorporate, you know, this movement into what you like to do? For me, it was always a punishment. It was like, Mm -hmm. you have to go to the gym and you have to do this type of exercise or you have to run or, and I was like, I hate this. Yes. Mm -hmm. I hate this. My body isn't made for this. Mm -hmm. Right. As I said before, I was all muscle. And so I am short. (laughs) I am very muscular and I do not run and I don't like riding bikes. I have very bad balance for anyone that knows me. And I've tried 
tried. I actually still, I'm 37 years old. I cannot ride a bike. I have tried multiple times in my life and I have fallen and injured myself every single time. So you're telling me to do things that one, not only do I hate, but two, I constantly fail at. Mm. So Mm -hmm. I'm constantly being encouraged to do things that do not make me feel good. That's what you don't want to do. That's really interesting that you bring that up because when I was a teenager, I was part of the swim team. Mm. And it was a competitive swim team, and I loved it. So it was a way for me to be social with people. Mm -hmm. It was a way for me to be competitive. I really enjoyed it. It was meditative, um, looking back at it. So it wasn't something that I dreaded, like, oh, gosh, now I have to go, and I I have to go do this thing. Because I've gone through phases now where I was super into spinning and cycling, now I would never take a class yeah. like that again. Uh, there were different gyms that I joined that served a purpose at a time, but then over time I didn't like. And the moment that I started to feel like it was work that I was going to do, I oh. knew it was time for a change. Over. So I tell people that you don't have to pick one thing and stick to it for your whole entire life. There's oh, no. so much out there. And um, my meditation teacher talks about, you know, in the 1950s, people didn't say, hey, I'm going to go for a run. I'm going to go, there were no gyms then. Now right. look, we're a whole culture into that. Yep. And so that's why I feel like this mindfulness piece is going to be even more important as you're doing your movement. It's interesting when you were talking about your experience with like exercise and being on the swim team and stuff like that. Like it, it like makes my heart sad because my experience was so different. And like, mm-hmm. I remember trying to be a part of different Uh, sports and things like that and just not getting supported Mm. and so like specifically all of it from I mean like I remember being a child and being on the softball team and I cannot remember I mean like young like Mm -hmm. maybe seven or eight I can't remember if it was something that I just didn't like or again maybe I wasn't the best at it and so because of that they put me out in like what right field where none of the balls go yeah so I would like stand out there and chew on my mitt because I had nothing to do (laughs) Mm -hmm. and and it was just frustrating because like I like hitting baseballs Mm -hmm. like I like being physical Mm -hmm. it makes me feel so good in my body Mm -hmm. that but I was to not be encouraged to do it and then I remember when I was in college my freshman year at Pitt so after my mother passed away I lived with my father obviously and we got into a lot rowing Mm. and like crew on the river in rowboats (laughs) and um we would do that a lot. He had a canoe. We would go out canoeing. We would do things like that. And so I actually really enjoyed rowing. I enjoyed going on like rowing machines and things like that. So when I got into undergraduate at the University of Pittsburgh, they had, it was a club, basically. It wasn't like a recognized sport, mm-hmm. but we still competed in races. Mm-hmm. And so I joined the rowing club. Like you could just join because it wasn't a sport. You didn't have to try out. You didn't have to be added to the team. But because of that, there was definitely favorites. And I, I'm the kind of person that if you give me encouragement, oh yeah, I'm going to give you 7,000%. Mm-hmm. Like, if you well, tell people me... people don't understand how to encourage kids in yeah. that way. I think that they 
maybe it goes back to being a role model. Maybe yep. the parents aren't a role model. And so it's like, well, I noticed that my kid needs this instead of looking at that as a way to support and yeah. bond with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And and I just remember, like, again, seeing the coach encouraging everybody else mm-hmm. or the A boat because we had an A boat and a B boat. Mm-hmm. I was not in the A boat. <laughs> and I did it for a semester. And I, I would have continued had I felt like my coach believed in me. and Or part of it. And he Something didn't. bigger? Right. And he yeah. didn't. And he didn't. And it was really unfortunate. Mm-hmm. And I and I left. And I, I quit. And after that, like, I just didn't exercise. And I never did. And and I agree with you, Christian, that finding something that you enjoy. That Some you people actually... like working out at home. Some yeah. people feel like they wouldn't push themselves as much as they would with just a personal trainer. Some people like a group effort. Some yeah. people like to be in nature. And actually, being outside and exercising is so much more beneficial to us than being inside. I mean, unfortunately, in Pittsburgh, we don't have a lot of options yeah. when it comes to wintertime. But yeah, I think that that's very important because how we view exercise is also a big part of this diet culture that yeah. we've touched upon. And I know in future podcasts, we're going to talk more about the diet culture because there's so much from our food industry to what is available. And you know, right, like advertisements and how we're, you know, mm -hmm. how we're taught, if you will, and fed information about what we should look like. And that's totally American culture because being overseas, there are a lot more healthy options. There's not a lot of fast food. Everything over here is a chain. You know, you have all kinds of processed foods and, you know, it's a lot. I, I was going to say, I will go on for days about, and how that ties into our pharmaceutical industry. So there's yeah, a lot it's a to mess. unpack there. But what is our thought process on all of this? Like we were talking about your our self-images. Yeah. Well, I think there's a big part of it is um, kind of like what you were talking about, taking care of other people mm-hmm. has always been something that you've been taught. We, as a culture, I, are trained to put other people ahead of us yeah mm-hmm. more often than not I think the majority of people listening can relate I know the majority of people that come into my office for therapy can relate to that mm-hmm. so I feel pretty confident in saying that most of us feel that way yeah and what what we what we tend to ignore is our own thoughts our own feelings our own perceptions what my opinion is my wants and needs and what I decide mm-hmm. so I give I tell people this all the time I say when you go shopping and you're going shopping with somebody and you put it on and you're like, oh, I love this. And then I'm like, oh, Christy, come out. I want to show you. I want to show you. And I come out. I'm like, what do you think? And you're like, ah, it's cute. And that is not how my reaction. Mm-hmm. Immediately, what does that do to me? Oh, now I'm second guessing myself. Mm-hmm. Now I don't know if I should buy this. Right. Mm-hmm. And so we put way too much into what other people think mm-hmm. about us what other people want or from how us. is this going to look what yes. am i what kind of image am i going to portray by what, having this or not having this or what somebody else thinks we should be doing mm-hmm. so again this also ties very heavily into those unhelpful thinking and boundaries that we've talked yeah. about before you know if i don't have good internal boundaries and then external in terms of with another person boundaries somebody telling me like Chrissy saying like eh, it's okay would get to me. And now she said that, I'd be like, wow, well, I don't care what you think because I think this looks great and I'm comfortable in it and I want to buy it. It goes to the idea of beauty is in the eye of the beholder to what one person finds attractive, whether it's, you know, a physical feature or clothing, like you said. Is different from another people, another person. Culturally speaking, some people honor heavier people. Some cultures honor thinner people. It just, it really is a mind screw, like you said before, that you're never going to be everything to everyone. 
You can't be. And you can't. It's impossible. The only thing you can do is say, this is who I am. This is what I got. And I'm here for a very short amount of time to enjoy the life that I have. Why am I trying to change everything? Oh, but Christy, that is so scary. Oh, that's terrifying. You're telling me that I should just be myself and like screw everybody else. And if they don't want me, then they can just leave. (gasps) I'm terrified. Um, I can't do that. You should be terrified because that's what keeps people stuck. Yep. <laughs> that And the biggest one is the fear of death. And I think that yeah. I, we don't grow callous as a result of this, but like we deal with a lot of death and grief and loss. And the truth is everything changes. Yeah. Nothing is going to stay completely the same. And you have to get okay with that. You have to. If you're going to enjoy the time, because if not, you're just stuck in your head. I'm yeah. wa- I'm wanting it to be this way. Oh, remember when it was this way? Well, it's, like I said, constantly changing. Well, and that's going to fuel, because talking about our relationship with ourselves and how we feel about ourselves, if we feel like we have to change ourselves in some way, whether that be a physical way or a mental way or, you know, emotional or a social way, like I can no longer hang out with these people. I can no longer participate in this spiritual activity that I want or this religion. I am no, I am not big enough. I am not thin enough. I don't, my breasts aren't big enough. Um, I have to do certain things in certain way, right? Like I have to shrink myself. I have to grow myself mm-hmm. because of what somebody else thinks, wants, determines for us, we are always going to be miserable with ourselves, and you will always have a horrible relationship with yourself because you mm-hmm. are putting your own contentment mm-hmm. in the hands of other people. And I find so often that this shows up mainly in relationships. So a lot of females, males, whoever, couples, whatever, coming into the therapy office, like, I need to make this relationship work. And maybe because I've lived and worked through that. You're like, no, you don't. (laughs) Right? (laughs) It's definitely not the way to go because that person is not going to change and you're not going to change. And it doesn't matter who the person is in our life. You know, we can honor the time that we had together and that it served a purpose and move on from that. But again, that fear of, will I be alone forever? Mm. It's better to have something that's a little bit less, but it's there. I'm here to say, like, that is not the case at all. You know, working with people, it blows my mind of, we talk about online dating, and we, which should be another four podcasts yeah. <laughs> in a row, but um, online dating and this idea of, I need to change myself to be what somebody else is looking for, mm. or how to keep a man, or how to, you know, make them want you. Screw right. that. Like, so why would again, you want to have somebody in your life who prefers not to be there or prefers to be there half-assed because it's easier and they get to do their other things. Or only prefers to be with you if you aren't yourself. I mean, that's basic. So then again, looking at your life and yourself and your relationships, who in your world and who in your life authentically wants you as you are and accepts you as you are? And who are those people that are asking you to change? Mm -hmm. And are you willing to do that, right? I mean, because... There are times, especially in relationships with other people and even with ourselves, that sometimes I say, oh, I really want you to do this. Mm-hmm. And I'm not demanding it, but I am asking mm-hmm. maybe this other person, hey, would you do this? Would you do? Would you interact with me in a different way? Mm-hmm. But they have the right and the choice to say no. If it And uh, it is shedding of 
friendships, experiences yeah. that evolve us to where we're headed next. So we can't really stay stuck in that. And I think that it's important, just like you said, to honor that and say, you know, I want to be around the people who bring out the best in me, who celebrate me and my success and who I want to celebrate their successes yeah. as well. Because if you're just, if you're around somebody just because you've been friends forever and they're like talking about the same thing all the time, yeah. is that really helping you to right. to be who you want to be? Right. And is it what you want for yourself? And, mm-hmm. and so, I mean, you know, when we're talking about our bodies and how we perceive perceive our bodies and what our opinions of our bodies are and the decisions that we make about our bodies these are things that are yours and yours alone and that you have the right to do whatever it is that makes you feel good mm-hmm. and and again like Chrissy said we will we're going to do um, another podcast that will go more specifically into diet culture and understanding maybe like how we can be more in tune with our own bodies and go further into understanding that. But it's important. It's an important step to realize that you have that choice, Mm -hmm. that it is an option. Maybe it's never been an option for you or you always wanted it to be an option, but felt like, but that's not me. Maybe that's just other people. Mm -hmm. It's not the truth. You have every right to be you and regardless of what anyone else thinks and what anyone else does. Mm -hmm. And that's when you start talking about comparisons. Ugh. I'd like to give everybody a little bit of homework or something because a lot of times people are like you were saying earlier, okay, well, I know this is happening. What do I do? So if you want to write down uh, the numbers one through six, there are six. We talk about the five areas of the self, but I recently read um, an article that I find uh, these six areas for organization are a great place to start Mm. to say, where in my life am I falling short or where do I need to create more balance? And the first one would be your physical environment. Mm -hmm. Like we talked about, what does your house look like? What does your car look like? What does your office look like? Are you in an environment of chaos or calm? And I I know that you said scent for you too is a big one. So looking at our physical environment. The second one would be to look at our relationships like what are my top five relationships right now who am I giving my time and energy to are they reciprocating that are they bringing something to my life are they more of a distraction Mm -hmm. like what what ways can I nurture the relationships that are working so I think that you know looking at the relationships looking at our physical environment another one is looking at our finances I read or heard something recently that looking at your bank statement as an adult is equivalent to checking your grades as a kid. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, how much is in there and how can, you know, and this idea that I can spend X amount if I have a surplus in my account or I can make $17 last three weeks if I really have to. Yeah. So that physical environment relationships, finances, and then physical activity. What am I eating? How am I moving? Like take a real honest inventory about that and don't sugarcoat it because you're, you know, there's trainers that I've worked with that say, go ahead. Like you can slack off, but who, who is that going to hurt? Right. The trainer doesn't care. They're still getting paid the same amount. And we have to break through that mental noise of our brain saying, you can't do this to say, do you watch, have you watched that show, The Biggest Loser? Mm-hmm. <laughs> when they're screaming in their faces, like people do things that they didn't know that their bodies could do before yeah. or they get really emotional. You and I had talked about, and there's always something below that. Like mm-hmm. people don't get to a certain weight and, without, you know, having something deeper that they need to work on. And maybe you need to work on something like that with a therapist. Five it would be spirituality. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be religion, but how am I connecting to myself, whether or to something greater than myself. Yes. 
being in nature, being with our pets, like doing these sorts of things that really let us, you know, <sighs> take a deep yeah. breath and relax. Yeah. Maybe um, there's a transition that you need from work to home where you, you take a time out, you get a 15, 20 minute bath and you just, you listen to some relaxing music or something that lets you kind of connect and unwind in a way. And so we're not always on the go, go, go. And the sixth one would be looking at your time in a 24 hour period. Mm -hmm. And what is, what's your routine? So ideally I should be spending this amount of time on all these other five areas. And how is my life reflecting that? Yeah. So I think that that's a good place to start to to sit down, look at all these areas of your life and take an honest inventory about who you are and what your relationship is with yourself. Well, and to come at it from a perspective of understanding. Mm-hmm. Do not be judgy of yourself if you decide to do this and to put all this down because that can be overwhelming. Sure. You know, and maybe you just start with one area. I think we all have an area of the six that Christy mentioned that maybe you're like, oh, <laughs> I uh, like just hearing it, just hearing her mm-hmm. mention it brought about anxiety in you. Right. And, and where all the are negative my, thoughts. Where are my bills stashed? Right. And I have to like pull all of this crap out. Right. And like, if that don't start there, <laughs> maybe don't touch on that one yet. Yeah. Realize that change starts small. Mm-hmm. And so we want to start with things that are manageable mm-hmm. and that give us success mm-hmm. and that don't make us feel like a failure. So Just like you said with your exercise, yes. where do you start? Is something that you enjoy, something that you can feel like you can get some footing. Well, and starting small. Like every yeah. time I started my fitness journey, which was many, many, many times, I've stopped and restarted this many times, diets, exercise, all this we, kind of do stuff. Do we have a count? No, because I don't even want to know how many times, but way too I many times that's to count. Really normal too, and that people need to hear that mm-hmm. because people are like, "Ugh, this is just my thing, and I'm never going to get it." Well, yeah, you're trying to force a square peg into a round hole. It's not your thing. It's not going to work. Mm-hmm. Um, but always starting manageable was the only way that it worked for me. Even just starting something, even if I was starting something that I didn't like, you know, I would exercise for 15 minutes, 10 minutes. 20 minutes and that's it. And only because I had to. I remember the first time or the first or second time I remember that I would start doing some sort of diet. I would first only do the food. Mm-hmm. I would only start with like the calorie counting and I would lose as much weight as I possibly could only doing that. And then once I plateaued, I'd be like, fine, now I have to exercise <laughs> because I didn't like it because mm-hmm. I couldn't find something that I really enjoyed in a way that made me feel good. So yeah, so I guess all of that just to say the importance of being very mindful, creating balance, creating balance and Mm -hmm. being mindful of the fact that you need to be kind to yourself to be accepting, to be understanding to just notice what is if the fact of the matter is that you're like, wow, I'm looking at this area of my life. And I do some things that I realize I don't they're not really helping me. Mm-hmm. Don't make yourself feel bad about that. Go back to those unhelpful thinking podcasts, listen to those tips and recognize that. Just own it. I am doing this. Okay. It doesn't mean that it's bad. Mm-hmm. Again, we want to create balance in that. So if it's certain foods that you're eating that you're like, maybe I'm doing too much or not enough of something. Okay. How can you create balance in that? Mm-hmm. If it's the finances, I'm spending too much. Or I'm not spending enough. I'm hoarding my money. I'm saving it. I'm not really enjoying and living. Mm-hmm. Okay. How can you create balance in that? Mm -hmm. And then looking at the spiritual aspect and our relationships and letting them 
feed off of one another as well. Not keeping people or situations that might be toxic to you. Yeah. And keeping your own toxic thoughts out of your own head. Starting to be, you know, you don't have to be an all-out cheerleader for yourself. Nothing that seems fake, but just being like, and I'm doing the best I can. Today, this is what my goal is going to be. Yeah. Not trying to get too far ahead of yourself either. This all or nothing mentality is not going to be helpful. Well, and remember, this stuff is subconscious because it's ingrained, mm-hmm. right? It's like what Christy talked about before with the white noise. Mm-hmm. We are going to fall back into what is familiar. We're going to fall back into those ruts that are in our head. We're going to fall back into those fears that we have. Mm-hmm. And those fears can be so many. There there are lots of areas where people feel like I'm going to be a failure or I'm going to be abandoned. I'm going to be alone. Yeah. There can be fears of being embarrassed. You might be scared that you're going to be called a fraud or be fake. You know, this idea of people pleasing that we've been talking about here is disappointing others. I remember for myself, um, some work that I was doing with my therapist, it was important for me to disappoint somebody. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, no, (laughs) on purpose. And no, no, not on purpose. Because guess what? You're going to disappoint people. You're never going to live up to their expectations. But for me, it was not going that extra mile to avoid disappointing them Mm. at my own cost. Does that make sense? Yeah. And then also you might be fearful of being betrayed Mm -hmm. or failing someone Mm -hmm. or something. Or also being stuck. Like we're stuck in so many areas of our life that just like we're saying, the smallest step, the the smallest little tweak, if you could just like write down one of those areas. And again, those are that can be very overwhelming to do all at once. So looking at one or two of those areas or one or two of those steps or or looking at what are your fears Mm -hmm. so what are Mm -hmm. the things that you're that are that's fueling you Mm -hmm. what fears are fueling you is it a fear of disappointing others is it a fear of getting stuck is it a fear of betrayal is it a fear of judgment or being abandoned because Mm -hmm. when we better understand our motivations and ourselves Mm -hmm. one you're developing a better relationship with yourself and then you are making it more likely that you're going to have a better relationship with the people around you and creating a life that makes you happy like or just content yeah you know like that I can be at peace with Mm -hmm. this so that we have opportunities to be happy Mm -hmm. and to actually enjoy things instead of I have a life that is so wrought with pain or fear or anxiety or sadness that I can't enjoy anything Mm -hmm. and I think that going to the relationship piece of that too it's so important who you surround yourself with because if you're going to be in a relationship that you're just trying to make it work or you're just trying to get through or so many couples that I've worked at let's say well we really can't afford to be away from each other and it's been this long like what's gonna like what's another 20 or 30 years like another 20 or 30 years that's a lot of time and well not only that but think about if you said the same thing about yourself yeah well you know it's a lot of time and energy to to change anything about Mm -hmm. this so I might as well just keep doing what I'm doing so then you're gonna live the next however many years in a relationship with yourself possibly other people that creates misery for you right in previous podcasts i know i brought up the loving kindness meditation and that's a very important one may i be happy may i be healthy Mm -hmm. may i feel safe and may i feel loved and really sitting with those like yeah as a person born on this earth i deserve these things and guess what everybody else deserves these things too and maybe somebody has hurt me in some sort of way but they still deserve those things because if people are content with their lives and how they're living they're not hurting other people so don't 
give up on those people, but distance yourself. Boundaries. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I look forward to talking more about, yeah, you know. Yeah, exploring this. Yes. Well, thanks all for joining us this time. We'll be back and we'll be hopefully talking more about body image and dieting and all the things that kind of come along with that. If you guys have any questions or things that you want us to touch on, definitely reach out to us uh, through Instagram or our website. And if you are doing any of the exercises that we're mentioning here and you're maybe struggling or you're finding some success in that, we welcome let us know. Yeah, yeah, we welcome any kind of feedback or anything like that. So what kind of fears people are working through how yeah. they may be struggling with loving kindness towards themselves or difficult people in their life or looking at ways of organizing their life. We'd love to hear from people and suggestions for topics are always welcome. Yes. Thank you for listening to conversations to connect with Gretchen and Christy. If you like our show, want more information, and want to connect with us, go to our website at www.conversationstoconnect.com and follow us on Instagram. We hope this episode has given you some useful tips to create meaningful conversations in your life. If you feel like you would benefit from talking with a therapist, one resource is www.psychologytoday.com, or you can contact your insurance company. See you next time.